This is the 20th chapter of Percy Jackson and the Olympians, The Titan's Curse. I get a new enemy for Christmas. Before I left Olympus, I decided to make a few calls. It wasn't easy, but I finally found a quiet fountain in a corner garden and sent an iris message to my brother, Tyson, under the sea. I told him about our adventures, and Bessie, he wanted to hear every detail about the cute baby cow serpent, and I assured him that Annabeth was safe. Finally, I'd gotten around to explaining how the shield he made for me last summer had been damaged in the manticore attack. Yay, Tyson said. That means it was good. It saved your life. It sure did, big guy, I said. But now it's ruined. Not ruined, Tyson promised. I'll visit and fix it next summer. An idea picked me up instantly. I guess I hadn't realized how much I had missed having Tyson around. Seriously, I asked. They'd let you take time off? Yes, I have made 2,741 magic swords, Tyson said proudly, showing up me his newest blade. The boss says good work. He will let me take the whole summer off. I will visit camp. We talked for a while about war preparations and our dad's fight with the old sea gods and the cool things that we do next summer. But then Tyson's boss started yelling at him and he had to get back to work. I dug out my last golden drachma and made one more iris message. Sally Jackson, I said, Upper East Side, Manhattan. The mist shimmered, and there was my mom at our kitchen table, laughing and holding hands with her friend, Mr. Blowfish. I felt so embarrassed. I was about to wave my hand through the mist and cut off the connection, but before I could, my mom saw me. Her eyes got wide. She let go of Mr. Blowfish's hand real quick. Oh, Paul, you know what? I left my writing journal in the living room. Would you mind getting it for me? Sure, Sally. No problem. He left the room, and instantly my mom leaned towards the IRS message. Percy, are you all right? I'm, uh, fine. How's that writing seminar going? She pursed her lips. It's fine, but that's not important. Tell me what happened. I filled her in as quickly as I could. She sighed with relief when I told her that Annabeth was safe. I knew you could do it, she said. I'm so proud of you. Yeah, well, I better let you get back to your homework. Percy, I, Paul and I, Mom, are you happy? The question seemed to take her by surprise. She thought for a moment. Yes. I really am Percy. Being around him makes me happy. Then it's cool. Seriously, don't worry about me. The funny thing was, I meant it. Considering the quest I just had, maybe I should have been worried for my mom. I'd seen how mean people could be to each other, like Hercules was to Zoe Nightshade, like Luke was to Talia. I'd met Aphrodite, goddess of love, in person, and her powers had scared me worse than Ares. But seeing my mother laughing and smiling after all the years she suffered with my nasty ex-stepfather, Gabe Ugliano, I couldn't help feeling happy for her. You promise not to call him Mr. Blowfish? She asked. I shrugged. Well, maybe not to his face anyway. Sally, Mr. Blowfish called from our living room. You needed the green binder or the red one. I'd better go, she told me. See you for Christmas? Are you putting blue candy in my stocking? She smiled. If you're not too old for that, I'll never be too old for candy. I'll see you then. She waved her hand across the mist. Her image disappeared. And I thought to myself that Talia had been right. So many days ago at Westover Hall, my mom was pretty cool. Compared to Mount Olympus, Manhattan was quiet. Friday before Christmas, but it was early in the morning and hardly anyone was on Fifth Avenue. Argus, the many-eyed security chief, picked Annabeth, Grover, and me up at the Empire State Building and ferried us back to camp through a light snowstorm. The Long Island Expressway was almost deserted. As we trugged back up Half Blood Hill to the pine tree where the golden fleece glittered, I half expected to see Talia there, waiting for us. But she wasn't. She was long gone with Artemis and the rest of the hunters on their next adventure. 
Chiron greeted us at the big house with hot chocolate and a toasted cheese sandwiches. Grover went off with his satyr friends to spread the word about the strange encounter with the magic pan. Within an hour, the satyrs were all running around agitated, asking where the nearest espresso bar was. Annabeth and I sat with Chiron and some of the senior campers. Beckendorf, Selena Beauregard, Stoll Brothers, even Clarice from the Ares cabin was there, back from her secretive scouting mission. I knew she must have had a difficult quest because she didn't even try to pulverize me. She had a new scar on her chin, and her dirty blonde hair had been cut short and ragged, like someone had attacked it with a pair of safety scissors. I got news, she mumbled uneasily. Bad news. I'll fill you in later, Chiron said with forced cheerfulness. The important thing is you have prevailed, and you have saved Annabeth. Annabeth smiled at me gratefully, which made me look away. For some strange reason, I kept finding myself thinking about Hoover Dam and that odd mortal girl I'd run into there, Rachel Elizabeth Dare. I don't know why, but her annoying comments kept coming back to me. Do you always kill people when they blow their nose? I was only alive because so many people had helped me. Even a random mortal girl that like that. I never even explained to her who I was. Luke is alive, I said. Annabeth was right. Annabeth sat up. How do you know? I tried not to feel annoyed by her interest. I told her what my dad had said about the princess Andromeda. Well, Annabeth shifted uncomfortably in her chair. If the final battle does come when Percy is 16, at least we have two more years to figure something out. I had a feeling that when she said figure something out, she meant get Luke to change his ways, which annoyed me even more. Karen's expression was gloomy. Sitting by the fire in his wheelchair, he looked really old. I mean, he was really old, but he usually didn't look it. Two years may seem like a long time, he said, but it's the blink of an eye. I still hope you're not the child of the prophecy, Percy. But if you are, the second Titan war is almost upon us. Kronos's first strike will be here. How do you know, I asked. Why would he care about camp? Because the gods use heroes as their tools, Chiron said simply. Destroy the tools and the gods will be crippled. Luke's forces will come here. Mortal, demigod, monstrous. We must be prepared. Clarice's news may give us a clue as to how they will attack, but there was a knock on the door, and Nico D'Angelo came huffing into the parlor, his cheeks bright red from the cold. He was smiling, but he looked around anxiously. Hey, where's, where's my sister? Dead silence. I stared at Chiron. I couldn't believe no one told him yet, and yet I realized why. They'd been waiting for us to appear, to tell Nico in person. The last thing I wanted to do, but I owed it to Bianca. Hey, Nico. I got up from my comfortable chair. Let's take a walk, okay? We need to talk. He took the news in silence, which somehow made it worse. I kept talking, trying to explain how it happened, how Bianca had sacrificed herself to save the quest. But I felt like I was only making things worse. She wanted you to have this. I brought out the little god figurine Bianca had found in the junkyard. Nico held it up in his palm and stared at it. We were standing at the dining pavilion, just where we'd last spoken before I went on the quest. The wind was bitter cold, even with the camp's magical weather protection. Snow fell lightly against the marble steps. I figured outside the camp's borders, there must be a blizzard happening. You, you promised you'd protect her, Nico said. He might as well stab me with a rusty dagger. It would have hurt less than reminding me of my promise. Nico, I said. I tried, but Bianca gave herself up to save the rest of us. I told her not to, but she... You promised! He glared at me, his eyes rimmed with red. He closed his small fist around the god statue. I shouldn't have trusted you. His voice broke. You lied to me. My nightmares were right. 
Wait, what nightmares? He flung the god statue to the ground and it clattered against the icy marble. I hate you! She might be alive, I said desperately. I don't know for sure. She's dead. He closed his eyes, his whole body trembling with rage. I should have known earlier. She's in the fields of Asphodel, standing before the judges right now, being evaluated. I can feel her. What do you mean you can feel her? Before you could answer, I heard a new sound behind me. A hissing, clattering noise I recognized all too well. I drew my sword and Nico gasped. I whirled around and found myself facing four skeleton warriors. They grinned fleshless grins and advanced with their swords drawn. I wasn't sure how they'd made it inside the camp, but it didn't matter. I'd never get help in time. You're trying to kill me, Nico screamed. You brought these, these, these things? No, I mean, yes, they followed me, but no. Nico, run. They cannot be destroyed. I don't trust you. The first skeleton charged. It knocked aside its blade, but the other three kept coming. One I sliced in half, but immediately it began to knit back together. I knocked off another's head, but it just kept fighting. Run, Nico, I yelled. Get help! No! He pressed his hands to his ears. I couldn't fight for it once, not if they wouldn't die. I slashed, whirled, blocked, jabbed, but they just kept advancing. It was only a matter of seconds before the zombies overpowered me. No! Nico shouted louder. Go away! The ground rumbled beneath me. The skeletons froze. I rolled out of the way just as a crack opened at the feet of the four warriors. The ground ripped apart like a snapping mouth. Flames erupted from the fissure, and the earth swallowed the skeletons in one loud crunch. Silence. In a place where the skeletons had stood, a 20-foot-long scar wove across the marble floor of the pavilion. Otherwise, there was no signs of the warriors. Awestruck, I looked at Nico. How, how did you... Go away, he yelled. I hate you. I wish you were dead. The ground didn't swallow me up, but Nico ran down the steps, heading towards the woods. I started to follow, but slipped and fell on the icy steps. When I got up, I noticed what I slipped on. I picked up the god statue Bianca had retrieved in, from the junkyard for Nico, the only statue he didn't have, she said, a last gift from his sister. I stared at it with dread, because now I understood why the face looked familiar. I'd seen it before. It was a statue of Hades, the Lord of the Dead. Annabeth and Grover helped me search the woods for hours, but there was no sign of Nico D'Angelo. We have to tell Chiron, Annabeth said, out of breath. No, I said. She and Grover both stared at me. Um, Grover said nervously. What do you mean, no? I was still trying to figure out why I'd said that, but the world just spilled out of me. We can't let anyone know. I don't think anyone realizes that Nico is a son of Hades, Annabeth said. Percy, do you have any idea how serious this is? Even Hades broke the oath. This is horrible. I don't think so, I said. I don't think Hades broke the oath. What? He's their dad, I said, but Bianca and Nico have been out of commission for a long time, since before World War II. The Lotus Casino, Grover said, and he told Annabeth about the conversations we'd had with Bianca on the quest. She and Nico were stuck there for decades. They were born before the oath was made. I nodded. But how did they get out, Annabeth protested. I don't know, I admitted. Bianca said a lawyer came and got them out and drove them to Westover Hall. I don't know who that could have been or why. Maybe it's part of this great stirring thing. I don't think Nico understands who he is, but we can't go around telling anyone, not even Chiron. If the Olympians found out, it might start them fighting against each other again, Annabeth said. That's the last thing we need. 
Grover looked worried. But you can't hide things from the gods. Not forever. I don't need forever, I said. Just two years, until I'm 16. Annabeth paled. But, Percy, this means the prophecy might not be about you. It might be about Nico. We have to... No, I said. I choose the prophecy. It will be about me. Why are you saying that, she cried. You want to be responsible for the whole world? It was the last thing I wanted, but I didn't say that. I knew I had to step up and claim it. I can't let Nico be in any more danger, I said. I owe that much to his sister. I... I let them both down. I'm not going to let that poor kid suffer anymore. The poor kid who hates you and wants to see you dead, Grover reminded me. Maybe we can find him, I said. Maybe we can convince him it's okay. Hide him someplace safe. Annabeth shivered. If Luke gets a hold of him, Luke won't, I said. I'll make sure he's got other things to worry about. Namely, me. I wasn't sure Chiron believed the story Annabeth and I told him. I think he could tell I was holding something back about Nico's disappearance. But in the end, he accepted it. Unfortunately, Nico wasn't the first half-blood to disappear. So young, Chiron sighed, his hands on the rail of the front porch. Alas, I hope he was eaten by monsters, much better than be recruited to the Titan's army. That idea made me really uneasy. I almost changed my whole mind about telling Chiron, but I didn't. You really think that the first attack will be here? I asked. Chiron stared at the snow falling on the hills. I could see the smoke from the dragon guardian at the pine tree, the glitter of the distant fleece. It will not be until summer, at least, Chiron said. This winter will be hard, the hardest for many centuries. It is best that you go home to the city, Percy. Try to keep your mind on school and rest. You will need rest. I looked at Annabeth. What about you? Her cheeks flushed. I'm going to try San Francisco after all. Maybe I can keep an eye on Mount Tam and make sure Titans don't try anything else. You'll send an iris message if anything goes wrong? She nodded. But I think Chiron's right. It won't be until the summer. Luke will need time to regain his strength. I didn't like the idea of waiting. Then again, next August, I'd be turning 15. So close to 16 that I didn't want to think about it. All right, I said, just take care of yourself. And no crazy stunts with a sop with camel. She smiled tentatively. Deal. And Percy? Whatever she was going to say was interrupted by Grover, who stumbled out of the big house tripping over tin cans. His face was haggard and pale, like he'd seen a specter. He spoke, Grover cried. Calm down, my young satyr, Chiron said, frowning. What is the matter? I, I was playing music in the parlor, he stammered, and, and, and drinking coffee, lots and lots of coffee. And he, he spoke in my mind. Who? Annabeth demanded. Pan! Grover wailed. The Lord of the Wild himself! I heard him. I have to, I have to find a suitcase! Whoa, 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 I said. What did, what did he say? Grover stared at me. Just three words. He said, I await you.